you. Thank you, Ruth, very much. And thank you to the band. Uh, we've got loads of wonderful musicians and our technical team. We, we are so wonderfully served. Can we give all our musicians and our technical team a huge appreciation? We are very, very grateful for your leadership week by week as we come to worship the Lord together. Thank you. Uh, a word of explanation for anyone who has come looking for an evening service and wondering whether St Paul's might be the right church. I'm really sorry it's not like this every week. I mean, it may become that, who knows. Uh, this is our annual meeting and it's a good opportunity to find out a bit about the church. So I hope you'll stay and the Lord will give you a sense as to whether this is the right church for you or not. Uh, it is actually our annual meeting in the way the Church of England does things, which is peculiar in many ways, is actually two meetings. The annual vestry meeting for the purpose of electing church wardens and the annual parochial church meeting for all the other business of the parish. And technically there are two meetings, though by long tradition they happen on the same evening. Uh, I've put on the tables just two copies of last year's minutes and it may be you just want to find those and have a look at them because we do have to approve them. It always seems a bit weird uh, looking back a year to what happened the year before to approve the minutes and it seems like ancient history uh, but they are there and they do need to be approved and uh, for the purposes of those, benefit of those who haven't been to one of these before, this is the ancient minute book of the annual vestry meeting. So this goes back to when the church was founded, 1873 to 4, and each year uh, those who've been elected as church warden are duly recorded in here and the minutes are signed off. So the minutes say that last year we had an annual vestry meeting and Carolyn, David, Martin Haywood, who had done a year as warden, were happy to stand for a second year uh, and they were duly elected and Adam led in prayer for them. Is it your will that I sign that as an accurate record of what happened last year? I will do that. Keep the historians happy if in years to come they want to have a proper look at, back at our records. Uh, now, this year, uh, Martin is not standing for re-election, so I'd like us to show our appreciation, Martin. I've got a small little present for you. Let me meet you halfway and let's show our appreciation for Martin. <laughs> Those of you who know Martin will know that he loves getting on his bicycle and I know the Lord speaks to you, Martin, when you get out into the fresh air. So there's a little bike token for you there and I hope you'll buy something uh, that will be a blessing to you and uh, we pray the Lord will continue to speak to you there and in many other places as well. Uh, now, we're going to elect our church wardens. We have two nominations, Carolyn Davy, who has been warden for two years, has been proposed by Carolyn Stone and seconded by Angela Stevenson, and Roger Penny has been proposed by Simon Brown and seconded by Johnny Morgan. But before I ask you to vote for them, I thought uh, we'd better introduce Roger to you, because not all of you will know Roger. So come and join me up here, Roger. Uh, many of you will know this fine man, uh, part of the 1115 congregation, and even sometimes allowed in the evening, rarely at 9.30. Welcome. Can we show him a big round of applause? Thank you very much. So, uh, by way of introduction, just uh, tell us about your family and about your day job. 
Yeah, so uh, I'm Roger, married to uh, Elizabeth, or Beth, who's, well, actually I can't see her, she's behind this pillar. And uh, I have four children who are now dispersed amongst the congregation, two teenagers and far too cool to sit with parents. So two over there and two over there. So Eloise, Joe, Grace and Sam. And for my day job, I'm an account director, which means I'm a salesperson for an American software company. So um, around about 10 years ago, you weren't a Christian. It is true. And we didn't see you here on a Sunday. Uh, no. Um, so Beth had uh, started to come to uh, St. Paul's in about 2008 following a Back to Church Sunday. I used the opportunity whilst Beth was at church. She normally left me a list of DIY jobs, but it was usually uh, FIFA on the Xbox or Match of the Day on uh, Sky+. Plus. And then quickly getting into the jobs just before the family got Yeah, home. basically, as soon as I heard the key going the lock, I got my tools out, threw them around and made a bit of dust and, uh, yeah, job done. So um, I met you at a men's curry evening. Someone invited you to a curry and you wound up sitting next to the vicar. That's right, yeah. So uh, Mark Pierce, um, who was a neighbour at the time, I used to go running with him and he'd been talking about church and I knew Beth was coming to St. Paul's. Uh, he invited me to the... He said, oh, yeah, it's just a few lads for curry. He knows I like my food, so I went along. There was about 30 guys, and uh, I got sat next to you, which was uh, super fun. <laughs> which was good news for me, yes. perhaps less so for you. Um, I remember you showing me your latest gadget and how cool it was. For the... Yeah, it was a Zippo app on the old iPhone 3. It was great. <laughs> so now, there was a significant gear change in your relationship with the Lord and church. Well, perhaps, what what um, connection with church had you had as a child? So the only connection with church um, was really... Um, only connection with church was I was a uh, Cub Scout and most Cub Scouts uh, troops back then uh, and that was the church. My grandmother was a, uh, a Methodist but my, my parents were both atheists so other than that so it been was Cub Scouts. Some, some connection with the church but not a lot. Correct. So uh, I came to visit you because you'd already had three children baptised elsewhere and you approached me about Sam's baptism. Well, Beth approached you about Bass, but, uh, Sam's <laughs> baptism, but, but yes, and, uh, and you came along to talk about it, um, and to be honest, it was the first time in my entire life when talking about faith that I'd actually been challenged, and Jonathan had said, come round to, to our house uh, to talk about the baptism and the process, and he'd said, look, Roger, more than happy for you to be involved at the front, but if you don't believe it, don't say it, because I don't want you to make a mockery of, of the vows, and I was like, eh, hang on a minute. What's all this about? And then we, we, we spoke a little bit more. But what you did say is, look, I'm more than happy to, uh, to baptise Sam, but we do this thing called Alpha. And, and that sparked a memory that every time I went running with Mark Piers, he would talk about Alpha. It's like, oh, talk about something else, will you, fella? And, uh, <laughs> but then he did talk about Alpha. Then Jonathan mentioned that you do get fed uh, at Alpha. And it's like, we could have saved ourselves years of prayer basically, and China, yeah. if we just said there's a meal and you yes. could come. Um, but the other key thing, which actually on a a more serious note, was when Sam was born and Beth had become part of the congregation, um, no one had told me that it was when you have a child at St. Paul's, the, the church family very kindly bring you dinners. So the, basically Beth had given birth to Sam and uh, knock at the door, and I think it was Lewis um, Stevenson brought the first meal, so opened the door, hello, how can I help you? He said, I've got dinner. <laughs> uh, so Beth hadn't actually told you dinner no, was no, coming. No, no, no. So I thought, that's, that's, that's very kind. And, and unfortunately, the news didn't get in that we were, yes, a family of six, but all the children went to bed quite early. So whilst Beth was breastfeeding, she kept the weight off. And you ate a lot it. of dinner. I had, basically was eating for five. <laughs> um, it wasn't great. 
So you, to cut a long story short, we baptised Sam. That's right. And you came to Alpha, and yes. you came to glorious living faith in Jesus. Yes. Yeah, so as a salesperson, salespeople are the easiest people to sell to. But as I came to Alpha, and Beth came along as well to keep me company, and it kind of just made sense. And all of a sudden, uh, as each week went along, it just opened that door. I probably had a bit of a wall of, uh, between me and the Lord, but each week a layer of bricks was taken away. And then it just became, I think it was about week six or seven, um, was a testimony but actually by uh, Leanne Kirkman from those who've been here a while remember the Kirkmans. And uh, it was her personal testimony and it just completely blew me away. And I thought, well, if God can save this individual, then actually this is someone I need to know. And, uh, and that was it. I said the prayer and then did the uh, Alpha Away Day and had a real connection with the Holy Spirit. And um, yeah, from then on, it's been very serious faith. And I think I baptised you in the sheep dip. Just, I was just sheep dipped. Just and I'm pleased to say I've been tick free ever since, which is <laughs> bonus. <laughs> and then just tell us about some of the things you've done in the church that's helped you grow in faith. Yeah, so I was, um, well, I was voluntold, I think is a phrase, <laughs> by my wife to help with uh, helping hands back in the day. So helped work with a few of the volunteers with that. And uh, my children had had a lot from the children's group, so I felt a calling to help and get involved in that and so I've done various youth weekends away and I was a pod parent for a, a year and a bit a couple of years ago um, and then also felt a real calling I really enjoyed Alpha so I've done I think three or four Alpha courses uh, and then also on the PCC it's true what they say is that you, you volunteer and you get involved in everything and then you realize that oh actually this is rather a large part of my life. As you say, you are the easiest person in the church to sell to, yeah. being a salesman. Well, it's so just food, really. <laughs> and you've been part of a small group? Yes, we've been very small groups. I'm currently with uh, uh, Ed and the guys, uh, sat mainly around there, but getting behind that pillar. They're all hiding from me. Um, but yeah, so reconnected with a small group over the last few months uh, and done numerous Hothop halls as well. Can we just pause and say huge appreciation to all our small group leaders, by the way. We haven't got a small group section tonight, but can we thank our small group leaders? So you've been involved in quite a lot of the church. You've done some children's stuff, some youth stuff, some men's stuff, Alpha, some helping hands. Yeah. Um, and been on the PCC and had a chance to see what it... What's Jack of all on? trades, master of none, that kind of I, um, I approached you a while ago to consider being warden, and we felt yeah. that it wasn't the right time, but yes. it might well be the right thing at some stage in the future. Yeah, and, um, and this time round, with, with, with Martin um, deciding not to go ahead this year, I felt a real calling and, and have been for a while now about really wanting to, to get more involved. But really, particularly as we've grown massively, actually, over the years I've been attending, so I became a Christian in 2010. Um, Actually, with the division of services, I, I did come to a, a 9.30 service once a few months ago. I realised there's so many people I, d I don't recognise. And just this sense of real community and family about how we can bring the church together internally as a family, but also then take that unity and out to the wider Leamington and beyond. That's part of, part of your heart for what, yeah. as warden, to see how we can make it strengthen the links. And, yes, uh, indeed. Fantastic. Uh, what else would you like to tell us tonight? Whoa, I don't know, that probably covers all bases. It's been an absolute miracle. We thought this could go on for hours. Yes. I, 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 I realise we've done it before I've been voted in, so this could have been a mistake, actually. Well, there's no one else nominated, so oh, it's right, probably then. safe. Winner. <laughs> probably safe. Um, so I'm thrilled that Rogers felt called by the Lord to uh, do this. Um, before we, So we ought to actually vote you in, shouldn't we? So Carolyn Davey 
and Roger Penny have been duly proposed and seconded to act as church wardens. It is an annual appointment, uh, so if they wish to stand for next year, uh, you get a get out of jail free card next year if you need it. Uh, those in favour of electing Carolyn and Roger as our wardens for the next year. Excellent. That looks pretty overwhelming. Marvellous. Can I invite Carolyn to come and join us at the front and Adam to come and lead in prayer, both for Carolyn and for Roger, but also for their relationship with me as well? That may be the bit that needs the most prayer. <laughs> Happily. Uh, I'm actually going to get you all to stand, if that's all right. Um, you've been sat down for at least four minutes. And if you uh, are able uh, and willing, would you reach out a hand towards these guys as we pray for them? Father God, we thank you so much for Carolyn and for Roger. For Thank you for the calling that you've placed on their lives. And Lord, uh, we pray for them now as they step into this role, for Roger, for a new role, for Carolyn as she continues in this role. Lord, we pray that you would guide them, that you would lead them, that you would protect them, that you would help them to know that you walk every step with them and that you carry this weight with them. And Lord, we pray particularly for the relationship between them and Jonathan. Lord, would you help them uh, to know your mind, to know your will for this church? Would you help them to be united behind your will for this church? And would you give them strength and courage? But beyond all of this, Lord, we pray that each of them, all three of them, would know, as we all need to know, that we are first and foremost called as your children and that you love us deeply. Help us never to put anything beyond that calling, to know you and to be known by you. So draw close to them, we pray, strengthen them and give them courage and wisdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can we give them both a big round of applause? You're allowed to sit down again. Uh, just before we move on to the, uh, the next part, uh, I, it is exactly two years ago that you got introduced to me here. Uh, I know many of you are thinking, really, it feels a lot longer than that, Adam. Uh, and that would it be, does. That's rude. Uh, true, but rude. Um, uh, and uh, two years ago, we played bingo for the next part of the meeting uh, with bingo cards. looked a little bit like this, and I won along with our table. Uh, and so we're going to do that again this evening. The idea of the bingo card is that you have to tick all of the nine things that are on it, and my glamorous assistants uh, are coming around. There's a card for each table. And when you get all nine, you need to shout bingo, as you do in normal bingo. Um, and you'll win a lovely box of chocolates to share on your table. Uh, it would be wise for you to not shout bingo during a prayer. Uh, that's the only thing I would say. I mean, obviously, you'll all have your eyes closed and be concentrating reverently on the Lord, so you wouldn't notice. If you notice one of your words come up in a prayer, you can shout bingo at the end of the prayer. Um, but otherwise... We normally say amen. We normally say amen. Post amen. But... Otherwise, uh, feel free to uh, shout bingo and interrupt Jonathan. Uh, I mean, interrupt anyone at any time. Great. I think that's all I need to say. Thank I'll you. hand back to you. While the bingo cards are coming round to each table, let me just explain the next meeting. That is the end of the annual vestry meeting. 
Uh, that is the shorter of the two meetings. The next one is a little bit longer. The annual parochial church meeting, the minutes are on the same document as you looked at before. And I'll just invite you to cast your eye down those because we need to approve those. Uh, I'll remind you what we did last year because there's so much happening in the church family we can't possibly feature every aspect every year at any length. Uh, We had, as always, a PCC report in glorious Technicolor. Uh, We had a substantial children's ministry report and youth and student ministry report. We'll just touch on those briefly this evening um, as we gave them lots of time last year. Uh, In the adult ministry, there were various things we focused on. We had a fuller safeguarding report verbally than we normally do. Our safeguarding report this year is written and in the annual report. But I'd just like to pay tribute to Jan Pringle, who is our safeguarding officer, and Jess Tams, our assistant safeguarding officer. They do an enormous amount of work. What's required for safeguarding uh, has escalated, as you will know, in many different parts uh, of work and employment. We rightly want to keep people safe. Uh, We want to help people who, who are vulnerable to make sure this is a safe place for them to come to know God and to grow in health and wholeness. Can we just show appreciation for Jan as our safeguarding officer at this point? We we celebrated various unsung heroes. Many of you are unsung heroes. You serve the church in lots of ways uh, and you're not acknowledged publicly, but we thank you. Uh, We focused on various mission partners, both locally, Food Bank and the Well and Street Pastors, and overseas as well. Uh, And we elected those people. So those of you who are here last year who can remember that far back, is that a close enough record of what you think we did last year for me to sign it this year? It sounded overwhelming. Should we try that again? (laughs) Can you say it a bit louder so I can hear it? Is it your will that we sign that? Thank you. Uh, this minute book is not nearly so attractive. We filled up the ancient one, so we have a, uh, a more modern one. Not so attractive, but very useful nonetheless. Uh, so you have various other documents in front of you. Uh, we'll explain the accounts in a bit. Uh, there are loads of copies of the annual report, and enough for one for everybody to take on the way out. We didn't put them all on the tables. We thought you needed room for your wine glasses and your cheese plates and the biscuits and the chocolates. Uh, so there's a, just a, there were just a few on each table, but please do take one of these on the way out. Uh, huge thanks again to Jan, but also to Naomi Gady, who puts this together absolutely brilliantly. Can we have particular appreciation for both? And also for Naomi for doing extensive cheese tasting to have really good tasting cheeses this evening as well. (laughs) That's obviously much appreciated as well. Um, Everything that needs to be reported on, including fabric report and various other things, is here in written form. This is the PCC report to the annual meeting. Um, We will obviously highlight different aspects of it as we do each year. But can I thank all the members of the PCC? We have a really good PCC, a responsible PCC. Breaks out into laughter from time to time. We don't always agree about everything, but we pray and we, uh, if there's conflict, it's usually of ideas. That's the theory, not of people. Uh, And it's a very healthy PCC. And I'd like to thank everybody who's served on the PCC, those who are standing down and those who are carrying on. Can we thank the PCC as well? Thank you. (laughs) 
The um, yellow piece of paper you have is my best guess at the timescales for this evening. Remarkably, we're slightly ahead of schedule. That We may lose that, but that's the, we may even stay ahead of schedule. Um, every year, we report on the electoral role of the church. The electoral role is the closest thing we have to a membership list. You have to be over 16 and baptised and either live in the parish or been worshipping here regularly for six months or so or more. Um, every six years, it's completely scrapped and restarted again. So most churches' electoral rolls go down a bit. Last year, we'd got to 442. This year, with the new role, it's 412, which is quite an achievement to get that many people signing up. Uh, the adult membership of the church of people who come at least monthly is somewhere between four and 500. It's hard to tell, but plus another 50 students, some of whom come and some of whom make this their church. Uh, so <clears throat> the number is probably slightly less than the number of adults who are part of the worshipping community, but it's not a million miles off. Um, we have around 170 under 11s who come regularly. It's nearly 100 under 5s. If you come at 9.30, you'll know that, but it, huge numbers uh, where the little people tend to come to the earlier service. They've been up for ages already. There are around 70 teenagers and 50 to 60 students so as the church community of all ages, there are somewhere between seven or 800 people. Only the Lord knows, only the, it, but the Lord knows each by name. And it is wonderful to be part of a growing church. Uh, here endeth the electoral roll report. Uh, now, for many, many years, the Deanery Synod report was the highlight of the annual meeting. Uh, if you've heard me speak about Deanery Synod, you may be surprised about that. Uh, but I'd like to pay tribute to Mike Bench, who's at the back, who for many years in the last millennium gave a hilarious report on the Deanery Synod. And I know Mike's not very well tonight, but we're really pleased you're here. Mike is one of the two wisest men in the church, in that he and Lewis were the wardens responsible for appointing me uh, 19 years ago. And if you have any complaints, you can take them to Mike afterwards. Uh, but we've got lots of folks who've joined us from different church backgrounds, Pentecostals, Baptists, Free Church, Roman Catholic, Methodists, everything in between. There are even a few Anglicans among us. And I thought instead of a deanery synod report, it would be helpful to ask the question, how on earth does the Church of England fit together? So I asked Graham Pringle to give us in under 10 minutes how the Church of England fits together. He may just say it doesn't, but we'll get the theory anyway. Can we welcome him? So I'm going to try and do it in eight minutes, eight minutes to tell you everything that you ever wanted to know about the Church of England. I've also memorised all the words on our bingo card and I hope to win the box of chocolates in the next eight minutes. <laughs> so here's a picture of the Anglican Communion. I'm starting big and uh, the Anglican Communion was founded in 1867, it's been going for 150 years. It currently has 185 million members which includes you, if you're a member of this church, and it's uh, represented in 165 countries. Can you see us there, our church? We're in the middle, yeah. The Anglican Communion is a bit like the Commonwealth, just like the Queen is the head of the Commonwealth. She has a lot of influence, but has very little power, and that's because every country in the Commonwealth has its own independent government. Nevertheless, these countries choose to be part of something bigger. And in the same way, the Archbishop of Canterbury is the head of the Anglican Communion. He too has got a lot of influence, but not much power. 
And that's because uh, Anglican churches in every country have their own governance. Um, nevertheless, these, these churches choose to be part of something bigger. Incidentally, notice whenever you see a photo of Justin Welby, he's nearly always wearing the Coventry Cross of Nails. That's because he was ordained in Coventry Cathedral and he was a vicar in Southam for many years. But I dig digress. So the Anglican Communion is facing a bit of a crisis at the moment. It's not quite as bad as Brexit, but it might become so. Churches are divided over the issue of marriage and sexuality. Some churches, particularly in Africa, hold to the traditional view of marriage and see homosexuality as sinful. Other churches, for example, the Episcopal Church in America, take a more liberal view and are supportive of gay marriage. One group is arguing from the perspective of holiness and purity. The other group is arguing from the perspective of justice and discrimination. Now in England, we know here that churches are also divided on this issue too, but it's more polarized once you start looking at different countries. In Africa, nearly all the churches are against gay marriage. And so many people think that the Anglican communion is going to split in two. And at the moment, the Archbishop of Canterbury is doing his best trying to hold it all together. So that's the global picture. But now let's zoom in on the Church of England. Church of England is regarded as the mother church of the Anglican Communion. We have 1.1 million worshippers, including you. We have 16,000 churches in the Church of England, including St. Paul's. That works out an average of 70 worshippers per church. Just like the, the country is governed by Parliament, in a similar way, the Church of England is governed by General Synod. They only meet twice a year, but they do meet for several days when they, when they get together. And the people that we elect to Deanery Synod have an important role because they are the people who in turn elect the members of General Synod. And just like Parliament, General Synod has its debates, it passes, passes motions, it creates legislation. Because the Church of England is the established church, it means that any legislation passed by General Synod needs to be ratified by Parliament and requires royal assent. And then it's written into the law of the land. Unfortunately, church, uh, General Synod is only meant to make laws about church matters. I'm not quite sure what would happen if General Synod passed a law to cancel Brexit. That really would be a constitutional crisis because, as I say, the laws of the Church of England end up being written into the laws of the land. But General Synod does pass laws about church matters. It's called canon law. One of the most recent canon laws uh, which was passed said that the bishop is able to sack any any vicar or clergy person who does not take due regard for safeguarding. That, like all canon law, has now been ratified by Parliament and is now part of British law. I mentioned that the Church of England is the established church. That means that the Church of England is woven into the fabric of our society. 
Of course, there are many other church denominations in England, Methodists, Catholics, Baptists, and so on. But it's only the Church of England who plays this unique role. It was founded in 1534 during the reign of Henry VIII. And so for 450 years, the church and state have been intertwined. So, for example, only the Church of England can crown a new king or queen. Every Church of England minister must swear an oath of allegiance to the queen. Our bishops play a major role in the House of Lords. Our own Bishop Christopher, Bishop of Coventry, is the lead bishop for foreign affairs, and he has many meetings with ambassadors and government ministers. Now, there's those who say that in modern-day Britain, there should be a separation between church and state. Some people argue this from a, a secular perspective. They say that religion is in decline and that we should have an entirely secular constitution. Other people argue it from a multi-faith perspective. They say that we now live in a multi-faith country and that the Church of England should not have a privileged position in our society. Interestingly, that's not an argument that you often hear made by the leaders of other faiths who generally welcome the influence that the Church of England has in our society. But there are also those within the church, arguing from a Christian perspective, say that a cl the close relationship between church and state can compromise the mission of the church. In truth, I think there are pros and cons as to whether the Church of England should remain established, but it's clear that the separation of church and state or disestablishment, as they call it, would be no easy task. It's not like taking the fruit out of a fruitcake, which would be hard enough. Taking the Church of England out of our society is more like taking the chocolate out of a chocolate cake. We've seen how difficult it is for Britain to separate from the EU, of which we've only been a member for 50 years. The Church of England's been established for 450 years and, as I say, is woven into every part of society. From an organisational point of view, the Church of England's made up of 42 dioceses. We belong to the Diocese of Coventry, which I've coloured in black in the middle of the map. It includes the city of Coventry, nearly all of Warwickshire, and a little bit of Solihull. The main towns are or Nuneaton in the north, Shipston in the south, Rugby in the east, Ulster in the west, and here in the middle we have Warwick, Leamington, Kenilworth, Southam and Stratford. All dioceses have church members, clergy, bishops, church buildings, parishes and deaneries. And in our diocese, Diocese of Coventry, we have this many. So can you match the numbers to the labels? How many church members do you think we have in the Diocese of Coventry? I'm glad it's 16,000. It would be embarrassing if it was two, wasn't it? 16,000, of which 2,500 are children. How many clergy do you think we have? 300. Yeah, it is about 300. 130 of them are paid posts, full-time paid posts, like Jonathan and Adam. 
50 are in self-supporting posts, uh, including me. I, mean, I do have a paid job in the Dyson office, but my role here at St. Paul's is unpaid and part-time. And then we also have about 120 retired clergy who are still active and helping out taking services throughout the diocese. So if you add them all together, it's about 300. How many bishops do we have? Two. So Bishop Christopher is the Bishop of Coventry. He is the senior bishop in our diocese and he's supported by Bishop John, who's the Bishop of Warwick. How many church buildings? It's 244, of which 83% are listed buildings. How many parishes? 206, which means that there are a few, most, most parishes just have one church, just like we have, our parish has just one church, but there are a few parishes that have more than one church, which means that there are 11 deaneries. We belong to the deanery of Warwick and Leamington, and there are 17 parishes in our deanery. Final slide is just about a few words about governance. Each parish elects a parish, sorry, a parochial church council, or PCC, which we'll be doing shortly. The PCC works with the vicar to oversee the mission of the church. We also elect people to join Deanery Synod. Deanery Synod works with the area dean to oversee the ministry of the deanery. Deanery Synod members um, elect the members of Diocesan Synod, which works with the bishop to oversee the ministry of the whole diocese. And they also elect the members of General Synod, which is the governing body for the whole Church of England. So that's everything you wanted to know about the Church of England in eight minutes. Thank you, Graham. And anything else you want to know, I'm sure Graham will be happy to enlighten you afterwards. Um, I just thought it would be good to pause and pray, particularly for Archbishop Justin and for Bishop Christopher. They carry extraordinary responsibility. Let me just be still for a moment and just pray God's blessing on them. Lord Jesus, we can't begin to imagine the sort of pressure and weight that Christopher carries and that Justin carries, but you know, and you've called them. So we pray your blessing on them especially. Give them all that they need. Draw them close to you. Give them great wisdom and then courage, particularly when difficult decisions are required. And we pray to you for our Church of England that you would so overrule in all that happens that we become more and more a church committed to stay true to your scriptures, even if that's difficult and costly. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Amen. Oh, last year we had a longish report on youth, children and students. Tonight we've got a very short one, but it doesn't mean it's not important. Our work is massively important. I've asked Adam to coordinate this bit.
Wonderful. Uh, in which case, I shall invite uh, those who are coming up to come up. They knew who they are, so don't worry. Uh, I'm also slightly disappointed, Graham, because you didn't remember any of the words on our, on our sheet there. Um, so thank you, Jonathan. That was really kind. We're looking forward to your sabbatical. Uh, and <laughs> no, it's all right. It's a bit naughty, isn't it? I won't do that. Uh, lovely. I'd just like to introduce some wonderful people to you. Um, uh, hopefully, you will know many of the, these people already. Uh, this is Michael, Lydia, Liz, Roz, and Lizzie, uh, all of whom are on the staff team in various roles. Um, and it's worth saying that they represent, they are representing today um, a much larger team of people, uh, many of whom are here, who help in our children and our youth and our students, uh, all of whom are fantastic and wonderful. Um, these guys, I've asked to share just one highlight, uh, each from the various ways and parts of the teams that they're involved in. So we'll start at this end, if that's all right. Why don't you share your highlight of this? So Hoppers and Bouncers runs on a Thursday morning alongside Oasis, which is our ladies' group, and we run it for the toddlers. So they're 14 months to about um, four years old. And the highlight of that is definitely this year introducing a teaching plan in their story time and sharing Jesus with them using visual, interactive methods of teaching and just seeing them all come alive as, as we do that with them. Fantastic. Thanks. Roz? Thanks. Um, it's quite hard to sort of narrow it down to just one main thing, um, especially as the last six months not been quite how I expected them to go. Um, but I think one of my main um, sort of highlights has been in Groovers, we have um, the Wonder Zone. And um, within that, that's sort of like a 10-minute slot where we get them to sort of be quiet and sort of focus on what, what the story was and what the teaching was about. And uh, sometimes you can go in there feeling like they're not paying any attention, they've not listened, one of them's running up the wall or, you know, all sorts. And then suddenly they'll write this amazing prayer or draw an amazing picture that's just completely from God. And it's just amazing to see these children just really growing in their faith. Um, yeah. Fantastic. It's worth saying two things I meant to say at the very beginning. Um, uh, firstly, is that as Ros just alluded to, Hester was obviously part of our children's team last year uh, and uh, went off to work at, um, at one of the local colleges there uh, as our, she was our children's and families minister. Um, it looks like we've got a large uh, number of staff members working in our children's department. In fact, we have the equivalent of two members of staff just over uh, full time. Ros is the only one of our, our, our children's team who are full time. Liz and Lizzie offer a few hours uh, each week to us uh, and, uh, and Lydia's. Uh, essentially covering uh, Hannah, who's on maternity leave at, uh, at the moment, if just in case you weren't aware of that. But Liz, particularly you work with our schools, so give me a yeah, highlight you've had. And um, I'm very pleased to say that my highlight is something that I've been doing at the school as well, definitely this year. Um, I was involved with Matt Bowne and the RE coordinator there and another teacher um, in trying to get somebody on the staff to join the Understanding Christianity course. I don't know if you're aware of this course, but it's a... Um, a program that's been um, taking part in the last couple of years now in nationally and it enables children to have an overview of the Bible through eight key concepts teaching them right from creation through to uh, the kingdom of God and it really puts Jesus into the perspective of the whole of the Christian message 
and it's just very, very exciting to teach. And I was very keen that a teacher from St Paul's got on the course and I enabled her to do that and um, gave her the first training and she's continuing with the other three sessions. So next in September, St Paul's will be teaching understanding Christianity. So that's great. Fantastic. Uh, Lydia? There we go. So one of the highlights being is our toddler group on a Tuesday morning. We're now The numbers have increased significantly over the last year, so we get about 100 on average now each week, about 80% of which are the community, about 20% church family, so it's fantastic outreach. Um, and they're just really engaging now with the story time. We share a simple message of the gospel, and they're really engaging with it, and they're waiting for us to start speaking rather than us having to encourage them. So it's going really well. Brilliant, thank you. Those of you who are good at maths will realise that there is one Michael and uh, four from the children's department. So I've allowed Michael two highlights. Uh, for, uh, so uh, we're a bit early though, aren't we? So no, 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 we're not. Thrive, engage, <laughs> terrific. That's just some of our words. Great. Um, so we are. So just reflecting a little bit on what Graham was saying earlier. Last month, I had a meeting with a guy called Jimmy Dale, who's there overseas youth evangelism for the Church of England. And during that meeting, it was amazing to hear that um, St. Paul's is the 21st biggest youth group in the Church of England, which is great. Um, it's slightly worrying is there's only 70 of us, and even though that might sound big to some in the whole scheme of things, it's not amazing. But um, through the last year, there's been some amazing highlights. I mean, through our normal groups, we have Engage on a Sunday morning, which is for our 11 to 14s, um, which has been amazing, have an amazing team for that. For the hub, which is on Tuesday evenings, and for our 14 to 18s, have been amazing as well. But actually, my two highlights uh, are from um, two new groups that have started up this year. One, uh, which is Coffee at Five, which is a group that we started for the 14 to 18s, which we meet at Cafe Nero um, on the parade at five o'clock. We basically just have coffee, and um, walk over here to the evening service, um, which is amazing, actually, because we've, from before, as I understand, I wasn't here before September, but because of kind of um, festivals over the summer and kind of a real engagement in faith between the older youth, um, the Coffee at Five has really enabled the youth to really engage with um, the evening service, so that's why we've kind of got a group of young people over here. Um, and um, also Thursday Club, you might have known that um, Friday Club last year for many reasons stopped around this time um, and it, were, it was a shame but it was definitely right and talking to Kate as she was going on maternity leave we decided that we wanted to replace that with something where we didn't know what, what and we decided to open Thursday Club um, which is a really creative name, but um, we just decided to go for it, and we've uh, built a really good team there. And the most amazing thing is that we're getting around six or seven um, youth from Kennedy Square, and we're seeing more of them come out every week, and it's just been amazing to see that grow, and loads of our young people come from um, the Sunday as well, so awesome. Fantastic, thank you. The reason why I'm introducing this is I get the privilege of line managing these guys, um, most of these guys, and it's a, a real joy. A little bit disappointed that none of you chose line management with me as your highlight for the year, uh, but that's all right, we'll cope with that. Um, alongside, alongside that, I also look after the students, um, and uh, that's been a real highlight for me uh, this year with the team. Uh, we've seen uh, a good number of students coming each week. They've been coming at five o'clock uh, each week and having food with us. Uh, probably the biggest highlight for me is the number of them that have engaged in mentoring 
uh, relationships. About half of our students are now mentored by members of the congregation, and I'm really grateful to you, uh, you know who you are, that mentor our students for us. So that's been a real highlight uh, as well. I know that all of these guys wanted uh, to say that they are really keen if, for you to get involved in the various ministries that they run, uh, as I am. Uh, and uh, rather than us each say that, if you would like to be involved in either our kids, youth, or students' ministry, come and chat with us uh, at the end. We'd love to talk to you about that. Uh, we're going to pray for our kids' ministry, our youth ministry, and our students' ministry. Again, I'm going to get you to stand. Uh, I know, I'm sure you'll cope. Will you stand with me? Uh, we're all going to pray all out loud uh, together. You can choose uh, one of the things to pray for or pray for them all, whatever you'd like to do. We'll all pray out loud together uh, and then I'll close us together. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you call each of us, each of your children, no matter what age they are, into a relationship with you. And Lord, I thank you for um, the numbers of uh, children and youth, particularly, and students that we have in this church. But we also recognize that that is a fraction comparatively to the number of your children that are in this world. Would you help us to shine your light out of this place into this town, that more would know your love for them, would you give strength and courage, not just to these guys here with me on the stage, but to all of those who lead in these various ministries? And would you continue to call new people with new excitement and energy for these ministries into them? And Lord, amongst all of it, would you remind all of us that you love us and that you walk with us and carry uh, this ministry with us? Help us to know your presence in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can take a seat. Thank you, everybody. There are huge numbers of you and many others involved with our children and young people and students. It is the most extraordinary ministry and an amazing privilege, uh, sowing seeds that will... Uh, sometimes we see people coming to faith, as it were, before our eyes. It was an enormous blessing to have six of the teenagers confirmed, some of whom I baptised many years ago. Uh, also an amazing thing last Sunday to have a student from another university come back who had uh, been to church four times a year as a member of St Paul's School, but as those seeds had germinated and he'd come to living faith away from here. So can we show huge appreciation to all the volunteers involved in our children? <laughs> been very good having lots of new members of staff. We've just seen some of them. I want to invite John to come and join me. Here he is. John McKellar's joined us as our operations manager. And I've asked John if he'd just tell us a few things he's found interesting and noticed, even appreciated, about being here in a new, in a new church. All right. Um, <laughs> well, and to introduce your office team, obviously. Yes, I've got, I've got two topics, so I was going to do it the other way around. That's, that's fine. Okay. You do it whichever way you want. Um... So I've only got a few minutes, and a few minutes are definitely not enough to do justice to all the work that the staff do in a year uh, or in a week. There's not a, a typical week. Um, I could go through their job descriptions, but actually do a lot more than that. And as you know, job descriptions don't quite nail down exactly what you do. So I'm going to give you a flavour 
of what they do. So the operations staff split into two. There's the office staff and the housekeeping staff. And the office staff, there's a trio of Caroline, Mel, and Naomi. Caroline is supports ministries, which covers lots of stuff. So things like tonight or marriage, the marriage course, when you hear that the marriage course is being run, there's lots of things that need to be set up, catering teams, um, the whole setup for the night, alpha course. Uh, we've already mentioned the electoral role. Car uh, Caroline had a big job in that. Passover meals coming up. So these are just a flavor of the things that Caroline gets involved in. Mel um, has specific things he's involved in, like uh, finance, uh, chasing up receipts, making sure they go into the right budget category, lots of stuff to do with the building, um, which is uh, very busy, as you know. Um, all the gardens, um, room bookings. We, we take lots of room bookings from external people and internal and health and safety. Then Naomi, already mentioned Naomi about the annual report. She also does things like workbooks for the revelation, um, prayer guides for the Lent. Uh, every week she produces a service sheet um, that you all read and sometimes very special if it's a confirmation Sunday. Uh, website and events. I'm just going fast so that I can get everything in that they do. Um, and she tastes uh, cheese, I believe, but that's already been mentioned. So um, welcome back. Um, so that's office staff. Uh, the housekeeping, Julia and Lizzie. Julia um, cleans this place, which is a massive big place to clean. Uh, Lizzie is the housekeeper. I've already seen Lizzie up here in her other role. Um, so all events, she has to help organize and make sure that we've got all the right paper cups and food and tablecloths and everything. So as I say, I'm doing a very bad job of explaining what they do. But what I would say is that they all go to extraordinary lengths uh, over and above the call of duty. And as they say in Scotland, they're all pure, dead, brilliant. <laughs> so uh, as a team, they also work very well together and they're an absolute delight to manage. So I'd like you to please uh, show your appreciation uh, for them by um, if they want to stand up. Could these five individuals stand up and just appreciate their appreciation? <laughs> Thank you. Mel was the one with the tie on, just in case you didn't know. Uh, please remember to pray for them uh, for the year ahead. Uh, and also on a Sunday, uh, remember that they're also fellow worshippers, so don't overburden them with questions. So what I, the reason I swapped it was that uh, I knew I didn't have a lot of time. So seemingly every year you get a newcomer to do first impressions. So I thought since Andrew Dow was here last couple of Wednesdays that I should do first impressions written in the style of Revelation chapters two and three. <laughs> to the angel of the church in Royal Leamington Spa, you know who you are. These are the words of him who can give you living water even to those living in this spa town. I know your deeds, your many ministries for all ages and stages, your many courses and events relevant to both your congregation and the local community. I know your talented and willing team of staff and volunteers. You have a unity in your staff team and your congregation. You celebrate Christmas well with many events and even Hogmanay. You are investing in living free, yet nevertheless you have more to do. You have more ministries to start. You need to encourage even more of your number to volunteer and help in your invaluable work and you need to go deeper into the scriptures to find the treasure therein as the truth will set you free. 
It is good you're encouraging through your preeminency for your folk to listen out for God's voice. As he who is an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You will need to resist opposition as you obey my voice, but to him who overcomes I will give the crown of life and royal robes to those who don't deserve them, and then you will indeed be citizens of a royal place. So that was my first one. Thank you, John. That was absolutely brilliant. Uh, really wonderful. And it's wonderful having you joining our staff team as well as a missionary from up north across the border down here to us southerners. Um, our vision, our big vision, is not so much about St Paul's, it's about the town. And our big vision statement is to see the town changed one life at a time. So I thought it'd be good to do another interview with someone whose life is being changed. So would you welcome Bav to come and join me at the front here? Welcome, Bab. I knew I was interviewing Roger, so I thought I'd compliment Roger by getting someone more attractive than Roger, of the opposite sex, uh, as a single person from a different culture, uh, expressing something of the breadth of what God's doing here. Uh, so tell us a bit about your background, first of all. Um, okay, so I grew up in a Hindu family um, in Milton Keynes, um, and yeah, I was, you know, a quite, I'd say, moderately religious um, Hindu. Um, yeah, my parents were divorced, and I, yeah, grew up with a single mum, so. And you're Indian with a bit of Ugandan background, is that right? Yes, so my mum was born in Uganda, and uh, my dad was born in Kenya, so I have African roots as well as Indian roots ancestrally. Now, um, Bab's story of how she came to faith is a wonderful story, but what I want to focus on is... Uh, how your faith has grown since you came here. You came to us newly baptised from Milton Keynes and no sooner were you baptised than you changed town and yeah. came to Leamington. How did you find your way to us here at St Paul's? So I was baptised October 2013 and I was looking, I, I got a job in Stratford-upon-Avon and I went on spare rooms and met a girl called Michelle who used to come to St Paul's and uh, she introduced me to uh, St Paul's and I was invited very lovingly by Roger and Rosa Wayne who took me under their wing. So straight away you came and you met someone and they welcomed you. Yes. And then a whole series of other people. Yes. Yes, I have been very blessed by this church. In fact, I think, I don't know how many different members of the church family you've lived with. Do you? Four. Four. So where, where we, let's honour them. Yes, absolutely. Um, so the Johnstons, I've lived with Millie. Um, the Pennies, who uh, are all fabulous, and Louise, who, uh, who just recently got married last year. So, yeah, so lots of lovely. You've shared homes with a wide variety of yeah. the church. You came to us as a baby Christian, from, not from a Christian background, though there had been people praying for you. Yes. I think, was it your aunt? My mum's sister, yeah, younger didn't sister. Didn't think you were very likely to get converted. Yes, I think her exact words were, uh, you were so stubborn that if there's anyone who I didn't think was going to become a Christian, it was you. <laughs> so please go on praying for the stubborn people. That's really, that's really bad. It's a wonderful example. I wouldn't have called you that, but it's, uh, you've come here. What has been helpful in you growing in your faith, apart from just the friendships of the people that you've made and whose houses you've lived in? Um, home group, um, being part of a prayer triplet. I think home group really gave me a sense of uh, an extended family and community where I could feel safe and grow as a young woman. Um, but also living with different people, I learned 
different aspects of life, so marriage, singleness, um, looking at, you know, what does marriage look like after, you know, 30, 40 years. Um, but a real sense of just love and generosity is what the church has taught me. So and humility. I had to learn humility. <laughs> we all have to learn that one. Uh, so you had a go at getting involved in different ministries as well. Tell us a bit about that. I did. So I tried worship, but my voice doesn't kind of scratch up to the uh, high pitches we do. Um, I tried children's ministry, but I didn't feel that like it was my calling. Um, but I'm now part of the prayer ministry, which I feel I absolutely love. That's, now, to anybody who hasn't yet found the right thing, Bab's a really good example of have a go at different things. Have a go at the children's ministry. Uh, you may be surprised it's just right for you. If it's not, you will pray for them better than you ever did before, uh, as is probably the case. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the key thing is, is just a willingness to try. Try things. If, you don't, if it doesn't work out, no one's going to, you know. So to trying to discover the gifts God's given you absolutely. as you're growing as a Christian. You've got involved in prayer ministry, and through that you got involved with the well. I so. have, yep. So I've done the well training course. I've done both uh, the, two, the two sessions. Um, and I'm in the process of uh, hopefully getting a bit more deeper with the, with the well as well. So... So we're not going to do a focus on our mission partners in the town tonight. We did quite a lot of that last year. But we are, there are something about 20 ministries across the churches in the town. And we're particularly partnered with The Well and with Thrive and with the Cap Dent, uh, Debt Centre and with Street Pastors and with Food Bank. Brilliant that you're involved with The Well. And you have also gone on a mission trip with our international where, where did you go I went to not I went with not deck to Uganda so that was going back to my roots which was great to see because uh, I used to always wonder why, why, didn't, why does my grandmother pack things in plastic ice cream containers you know we're living in the UK but actually when I went back to Uganda it was one of their key ways of storing things so for me it was a great way to see that culturally actually it had kind of come across and a the whole UK. load of other cultural things Absolutely. besides uh, so it's been a joy to see you growing in faith and I know the particular highlight of this year for you was when your sister was baptised. Amen to that, yes. <laughs> so welcome, Anisha, who was baptised. Anisha here somewhere this evening. She is over there. Very good. So your sister, who looks like she's videoing you she at the is. moment. So, so she'd probably be able to edit it and make it look really interesting. Well, it's interesting anyway, but make it look even more interesting. Don't go off script. Right. Uh, Bab, a couple of particular things. Um, it's easy for, easier for us to do a number of things for folks who are married, marriage courses and parenting courses. We've never been brilliant at putting on appropriate things to help those who are single. And God's put on your heart to try and stir up something there. Yes, I think um, over the last few years, hearing different people, um, there's, not, there's always been a focus on family and children and um, you know, kind of more of a community-led uh, aspect. And I think singles have also quite felt isolated within the church. So I think to bring out, you know, um, different communities and, and kind of connections, I guess, um, the singleness is something I really want to focus on, but not just singleness in terms of 20s and 30s, but anyone who's divorced or widowed or is going through a transition in their life, you know, I think it's important to connect people together. So Bab's a bit of a catalyst. If you're interested in being part of a group to try and see what we might do, have a word with Bab. It's not that we've given you authority to do whatever you want yet, but you're a catalyst to stir things up for us, yes. which is great. <laughs> And then there's something particularly we want to pray for you. Coming, becoming a Christian from a Hindu background, God's put it on your heart to write your story. Can you just yes. tell us something about that? So um, I'm writing a book, and the book uh, will be, in my understanding is, it will be the first book written by a Hindu woman coming to Christianity. So there's plenty of books out there by um, Hindu guys who've come to Christianity, but this will be probably one of the first ones that comes from a Hindu background of a woman coming to Christ. So... Yeah, it's a pretty big burden to carry. So I remember growing up 
uh, and coming to faith in Christ for myself, reading these stories like Death of a Guru, the Hindu man, or I dared to call him Father, the Muslim woman. But I don't remember uh, seeing uh, one of a Hindu woman come to faith. So we'd love to pray for you in this. So let's just do that. Would you stretch out a hand to Bav? Father, we love having Bav as part of our church family and now Anisha, her sister, and thank you so much for your work through this family and we pray your blessing on the whole family. We, would you continue to reveal the Lord Jesus to them one by one by one? And now we pray for Bav as you've called her. She's sensed this call to write her story. Will you give her great grace, protect her from the evil one, guide her? And we pray that under your mighty hand, this would be able to be published at some point of your choosing and be really useful for others exploring Christian faith from that background and in many other ways. Lord, we'll, uh, you will make of it what you will and we'll only know in eternity what you're doing through it. But we pray great blessing on Bav as she is obedient to you in writing her story. And we pray great blessing on her in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give her a big round of applause? Thank you. So we touched on the fact that Bab's been out to Notdeck. We've partnered with the, what uh, I, want, I want to call it an orphanage. It's not, not. They have been orphans and they all come to be children of a loving Heavenly Father. Uh, Carolyn is uh, not only our church warden but chair of our Go team. And Carolyn is going to come and remind us about Marcus and Claire and then tell us what may come up later in the year. Okay, so um, Marcus and Claire, uh, one of our partners, um, and they were here in the summer. Just want to say thank you to everybody because you made their visit a joy, a delight, a time of refreshing, of blessing. They loved being here. So thank you to everyone who helped while they were here, whether it was just saying hello to them or whether it was giving your home and car for them to use. The, the range of what people did was amazing. So thank you very much for that. So there's the picture of them, and it's the Werfel family with Mike. Mike went out in November to see them. I haven't got another picture, recent picture of them, so Mike's in the, the photograph with them there. So uh, Marcus and Claire and the family are in Argentina, and particularly uh, within Argentina in a place called Concordia, which isn't on the next picture. If, if you go to the next one, yeah. So you can see the border with, um, between Argentina and Uruguay. So they're in a place called Concordia, which is on a river, and the river is the border between Argentina and Uruguay. And it's about 250 miles north as the crow flies. Now, if you want to get there, it takes about six hours because you can't go as the crow flies. But they're in Concordia to the north of Buenos Aires. And they've been church planting. The church building where they meet is in a fantastic location. It's um, in a plaza. There's a lot of people pass through. It's a busy area. And it's uh, a lovely building itself at the front anyway. It's um, like um, they will have to keep that. It's, gr it's listed, the frontage. 
Um, but as you will see, it's not all that easy in terms of what it's like inside. So the current layout is that there at the right-hand side is the front entrance. You go right through the middle of those rooms that you can see. Then you go through an open courtyard before you actually get to the building where they meet. So that whole, that whole building is theirs, but this is where they meet. So you've gone through the building, through the open courtyard, up those stairs, and into the top floor uh, of that building. And there's a youth area on the ground floor as well. And inside looks very much like any church building. And um, those pews are actually made by Marcus's father. And it will take up to about 80 people. And very often it's now at capacity. The God has blessed. They went out and started the church and now it's up to about 80. So what are the plans for the future? The, all, where you saw all those rooms actually becomes uh, a place for about 300 people to sit. So that's where you see all the chairs. And then at the front where the entrance is, they're developing that into a cafe area. And at the back where you saw the uh, building where they currently meet, that will become offices. The downstairs will be, remain the center. But this is a really exciting project. We are hoping that sometime in uh, probably October, we will be able to hold a gift day to be able to make this dream become a reality. Thank you, Carolyn. And for all your work chairing the GO team, and for the GO team and all who work with our mission partners, can we show our appreciation? Uh, and also huge appreciation for everybody, probably all of you who give so generously to enable us to uh, pay for all the ministry. We have a wonderful treasurer, Andrew, uh, who is going to come and update us on where we are with our finances. Where is Andrew? I'm looking. Where is he? There he is. He's hiding behind the pillar. Andrew, uh, who has a lot of links with Argentina himself. Yeah. Were you born out there, Andrew? I wasn't born, I wasn't born there, but I was uh, raised there. Which one do you, you can use that one. should be fine. Is the lectern on? Yeah. Is on. yeah, I was um, raised there, should I so say. So your dad was a missionary in Argentina. I was a missionary in Argentina, yes, he was. And as a, your professional life, you're an accountant. An accountant. So you both have a life of faith and careful management of money, which is the ideal combination for a treasure. Uh, we may do this as, a, as an interview. We'll see how it goes. Andrew, tell us how we spend our money. How much money do we get through a year? Oh, good. It's coming up on the screen. That's good. Of course, this is the highlight of the evening. So um, here we go. <laughs> Um, here we have the expenditure. I like to start with expenditure. This is where all the money has gone, gone in this past year. Uh, by far the biggest slice, as you can see there, is on salaries. Uh, that has gone up to 43% of the whole of the expenditure. So Just, that's the royal blue one. That's the royal blue one. And that's gone up from 39% last year. So the uh, part of the pie that is being taken up by staff salaries has increased. And that is in spite of, and it would have been larger, in spite of 
several members who have been going or are on maternity leave. So uh, if all the staff would, and also we haven't uh, employed various individuals. Uh, the next part is the parish share, and that uh, covers your salary, uh, but it also covers housing costs, curate expenses, etc. So that's why it's uh, £66,000, which you don't see. No, I don't get paid that. That would be nice. And there's a, there's a chunk that, gets, that goes to the diocese uh, for central costs as well there. That's right, yes. Uh, we pay, actually pay to the, to, the, to the diocese a bit more, and we've shaded that one in green. It's sort of over and above the costs of, uh, as you we were saying, of the vicar, and etc. And that's another 20,000 pounds. Uh, 20, so that's being part of the diocese, as Graham explained. That's part of our giving to help uh, mission in Poorer the wider parishes. Church of England yeah. in smaller parishes. Yeah. yeah. The giving away that we do directly, that's the 53,000 pounds. That's 11%. Uh, of the expenditure. Uh, it's 11%, it normally is 10%, it's 11% because of course we had Claire and Marcus over here and through a bit of accounting uh, uh, trickery, yeah. it was more <laughs> as it were because we were actually paying them for stuff that we had saved up in previous years but it shows up on these accounts. So that goes to our local partners like the Well and Cap and Thrive and Street Passes That's and Food right. Bank and to our mission partners around the world. And around yeah. the world, yeah. The ministry costs, uh, they, that came to 13% of the pie. That's stuff relating directly to, to ministry of the church, uh, church services, the, the youth, children, all those things that are included in the ministry costs. And the final bit of that is the facility. That means the overheads, the electricity, insurance, all those sort of costs, they amount to 16% of the expenditure. And then the, the total for the year, you may be able to read, is almost £500,000 is what That's it right. takes yep. for this place to pay all the bills and give away what we give, roughly 15% away. Correct. So where does the money come from? And Church of England is loaded, obviously, and we get loads centrally to help. <laughs> uh, you get nothing from that. It all comes from... <laughs> I say that we do sometimes get a little grant when it comes to buildings and things, but this year we, we didn't receive anything. But it comes from you people. Um, as you can see there, 80%, if I can see it properly, comes from donations from yourselves. And it's more than that because the tax that we recoup from you comes to £82,000 in the last year. So that means that 96% of the income of the church comes from donations from you, the membership. The other 4% is other income, um, other bits and pieces that we get. So it's all up to you. So 96% is from us. And I always say if you're part of the church family, we're keen for you to give to the Lord's work through the church family here. So if everything had gone in and out, what have we got in the bank account? I know it's not as simple as that in accounting terms. No, but so it's always the thing I want to know. Yeah, uh, That one gives a rough summary. In other words, the funds that we started off the year with was 141,000. We received 523,000, we spent nearly 500,000, so we're left with 171,000 pounds. Now, 80,000 of that we like to keep as a cash flow, that works out to be something like two months expenditure. So that's kind of insurance that if giving dips in any couple of months, that helps us out. And the remaining 92,000, we like to earmark that for resourcing further ministry so that if all the 
post-ministry posts were filled, we'd find that might uh, reduce, as it were. And that essentially is built up because of all the maternity leaves and staff that we haven't been able to replace Correct. at this stage. So, yeah. so in yeah. one sense, it's just storing up to be able to pay yeah. them as we, as we appoint them. Yeah. And then there's also, a, so there's two pots there. There's the cash flow one and the resourcing future ministry pot. There's a third pot. There's a third pot. The final one is the property fund. That came out of when we sold Wathen Road and then we bought Taylor Avenue, one of the properties there. There was an amount left over and we've kept that separate. That 42,000 roughly is what it was. Um, and what we're doing is we're the income of that particular pot. We like to put the rentals that we get from the properties into that pot and the expenditure side is basically to maintain the properties so that uh, we spent £13,000 last year. So we've got a kind of property fund that helps us. So if the church itself needed some money for some major project, we could dip into that fund as well. And so the, there's the house next door where Tim and Ros are living and then there's a house uh, up in Lillington, up in Lillington which yeah. we've worked with the council to enable a Syrian refugee family to live slightly below market rate, but we're really pleased to enable that to happen. Yep. Now, the details are on uh, a sort of 20-page document with all the finances. Some of you will be very excited to read those, and I personally, I quite like reading the numbers. I'm quite nerdy and ask Andrew various questions. Others of you would be very happy just with the pie charts that are in the colour brochure. Uh, you are happy to answer any questions on I the detail happy, of yep, these. Yep. I'd just like to thank a couple of people um, for helping me so much during the year. Mel, we'd like to thank you again for all the bookkeeping that you do and keeping me in order, making sure I do the right things. And uh, for Mike Lingard, I don't know if he was able to come tonight or not, but he helps with the gift aiding for getting the money back from the revenue. And the point on that one is as well, it's good for you to sign up because we get extra money if you're able to, if you're a taxpayer, uh, so that we can get this money back. But the other side is too, that if you cease to pay tax, do let us know as well, because then we need to take you off the list. So I need to know your um, things either way there. We reclaim the tax at 25, at the 20% rate. If you're a higher rate taxpayer, if you're fortunate enough to have to pay higher rate tax, you can reclaim the extra and you can backdate it several years. So if you've not done that, ask Andrew and he'll tip you off how to do that. Uh, we need to adopt the accounts or appoint the auditors, something appoint, like that each year. Uh, actually, I saw PCC, I think, Is so it? you need to just uh, acknowledge the account. Acknowledge the account. So do we have to, I'm not sure whether we receive them receive or something them. like that. Yes, so can you stick your hand in the air or wave your papers or something to receive the account? So are you happy to receive them? Uh, far more importantly, can we show a huge appreciation to Andrew, who does the most fantastic <laughs> job for us? The job of uh, being treasurer is, uh, is a fantastic one. It's one that I can't obviously, because I have to be confidential, so I can't say what goes on. But I would like to lead in a very short prayer to thank God. Heavenly Father, thank you for all the resources that you have given this church. We thank you for this past year and how we have been able to meet all the expenditure. And we pray for your help, that you'd help us to use the resources you have given in the way that you want us to in this coming year, to your praise and glory. Amen. 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 Thank you, Andrew, very much, and everybody for your generous giving. Uh, it is it's an extraordinary thing. I've, 
every church I've been a vicar of, well, I've only one other church I've been a vicar of, but we'd always spent the money. The first year we got, I got here, nine years ago, we had about 50,000 in the account, and the hall was falling down into Kennedy Square, and we had to underpin it. And then we eventually did redevelopment, and we had no reserves, and it's an extraordinary thing. Uh, and it means we're able to be generous to others. Uh, so thank you very much indeed for all your giving. Um, I don't, there's not loads that I want to say in my report, so much of it's already covered, uh, but I do want to say thank you to everybody who serves and gives and prays. We've acknowledged a whole variety of different folks. Uh, we can't possibly acknowledge every category. Uh, we probably would miss some people out, but thank you very much for all you do in your time of serving. There are some fantastic heroes, the people who were set this place up for Tidley's praise on a Sunday evening, uh, who, uh, and we'll, we'll be putting that back together later. Uh, there's folks who cook meals behind the scenes. Actually, it's a bit invidious to mention those, but I do want to thank Johnny Morgan, who cooks for students and Alpha and Marriage Course and everything. Can we show Johnny a huge round of applause? <laughs> There are, there are many, many more of you, probably every one deserves to be mentioned by name, but we're really grateful, Johnny. Uh, as you heard from Roger, it's food that leads people to Jesus, so we're very much, and uh, we pray that will happen more and more, that more people will come to faith and grow in their faith through all these different uh, events. Uh, on most days, I think I have the best job in the Church of England. I think being Vicar of St. Paul's is the best job in the church. There are days when it doesn't feel like that, as with all, but in general, it is an extraordinary privilege to be the vicar of a healthy church family, and I'm very, very grateful. Uh, our overall vision, as you know, is to see the town changed one life at a time. It's really great to have a church warden who was converted on Alpha eight or nine years ago uh, join us. Uh, and indeed, Carolyn, our other church warden, was converted when she studied in Coventry as a student, uh, partly through Norman Warren's Journey into Life booklet, uh, who was the vicar of the church at the time. Uh, really thrilled uh, to hear Bab's story uh, and seeing people growing as Christians. We had 29 confirmed last week, the six teenagers, but then 23 adults, uh, lots of them who were already Christians from different church families, but have found this a place where they're now growing in their faith the next stage. Uh, our more specific focus for these three years is on growing wholehearted missional disciples of all ages. We've done a lot of work in the town uh, with interchurch ministries and we continue to support those. We did a lot of work on the buildings and we're really grateful for them. But for these three years we're in the middle of at the moment, uh, we've said we want to put our energy into growing wholehearted disciples. Now, some of that is about getting the right structures in place, the right leadership, the right staff, the right volunteers. Uh, a lot of that is about helping each individual to be set free from the things that hold us back and to be released into the things God calling, is calling us to do. And so it starts with prayer. And I've been delighted to hear steadily through the year people are talking about growing deeper in their prayer life. Juliet and I have been amazed by how those very simple little uh, leaflets on prayer we produced last Lent have been used and found to be helpful, both for folks starting to have a daily time of quiet prayer themselves and meditate on the scriptures, and for some who've been Christians uh, for many years. 
Uh, there are some copies at the back, or if they've gone, there are some on the website. You just go to the website. I'm interested in prayer, and the resources are there. If you've, if you've never started a daily time of prayer and meditating on the scriptures, uh, then please do, and those resources will help you. Uh, I've loved hearing about different prayer triplets or formations, uh, or the odd five-mation or two-mation, two but uh, of people getting together to share and pray together deeply, quite apart from our more formal small groups and all the different courses that there are, the marriage course and the restored lives course and the, the new one we started this year, the Hope in Depression course. Uh, thank you to everybody who helped on that. In an era where there's so much anxiety and depression, we really want to help people uh, and it sounds that that is a real help. I particularly want to thank Adam for his leadership of our Living Free courses. Uh, the Living Free course is something we've done twice before, just trying to work out how to lead it as a church as a whole. And Adam came and led the course on Tuesday evenings uh, early last year and on Wednesday evenings, I think, uh, when was it? In the autumn. It's going to be on Thursday evenings this autumn. Uh, and uh, Adam will be teaching that material again on Sunday evenings while I'm on sabbatical. Uh, I'm really delighted in the growth of our prayer ministry. We have a fantastic prayer triplet, Ruth and Alison and Andrea, who head up our prayer ministry team. But far more than that, uh, pray into and intercede for, they, they want to encourage prayer across the church. Where are you? Can you stand up and can we show you great appreciation? To, and one at the back, there we are. Very, very grateful uh, to you. And we'll let you sit down again for your leadership of our prayer ministry as so often the Lord puts his finger on something that needs attention and then uh, helps people discover his love this will release people from things that hold them back and step into what God's calling them to do uh, every couple of years I invite those who lead groups and ministries and are on the PCC to come away for a weekend at Hothorpe Hall and we had really good input from John McGinley his vicar in Leicester helping us to share our faith really naturally and easily. It's the most helpful thing I think I've heard on this. Very simply, offering to pray for people when we hear them tell a, a story of need. Uh, we are all in touch with people at home, at work, and neighbours. People will tell us about stuff that is difficult. And to be able to say, may I pray for you? And when they say, oh yes, all right. May I pray for you now? Uh, so we had some training evenings just to encourage people to do that. I've loved hearing stories of people who've done that, who've sat next to someone on a bus or bumped into someone in a staff room or uh, talked to a neighbour who, as they've shared a need, has said, may I pray for you? And it is an extraordinary expression of love to offer prayer. But when you say, may I pray for you now? Uh, and if they say yes, just saying, well, it's... They might say, what will happen? You say, well, if it's all right, I'll lay a hand on your shoulder and pray that God would show his love to you and minister to that need or help you with that. Uh, once people have experienced something of God's love that way, they're really interested, well, tell me about your story. And we've started trying to help people tell their stories. Uh, and when you share something of your story, people are always interested. Uh, so we've got a long way to go on this, but in the small groups, do keep practicing, praying for each other, telling your story. Uh, the better we do it in the church, the more we practice, the more when we are talking to folks who don't share our Christian faith out of the church, the more we'll be ready to do that. 
Uh, as we do that, God is drawing more people to us every week at every service. There are people here for the first time on a Sunday uh, at every service and on a midweek quite often new people. Uh, we're looking to develop our welcome team. We spent three evenings on this uh, a month or so ago. And we realised that there's so many different aspects to welcome. We've started a welcome desk that's already been appreciated. We'd love some of you to serve on that. There are some folks who are particularly good at welcoming at the door and others who are much better when people have come through the door at showing them uh, where to come or introducing them to someone. Uh, John McKellar is going to be looking at an overhaul of how we do our stewarding and welcome. And if you'd like to be involved in that in any way, and there's so many different ways to do that, please do have a word with him or drop him an email. Uh, and I'm hoping that our welcome ministry can grow and grow even as the church gets larger. And there has been a tremendous amount of change, a lot of staff change. People have moved away, people have joined us, uh, and, and a lot of change, not just among the staff, but lots of our leaders, God's called away to serve in different churches. And that's wonderful as other churches get going as well. Uh, but it has created some gaps to develop. Uh, I was hoping to gather a group of men to coordinate our men's ministry. I haven't quite got round to that, but I've asked John McKellar to do that uh, while I'm away on sabbatical and written to a number of men who I was hoping to gather. Uh, a bit like with the prayer ministry triplet who oversee our prayer ministry. Uh, some men in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Not sure we invite anyone from the 80s. There's no reason why we shouldn't. To come together, how can we disciple the men in the church, as uh, folks who used to lead our men's ministry, Simon and Mark, have moved away to support other churches. Uh, Graham, who uh, did a, that lightning tour of the Church of England and the Anglican Communion as well, that was fantastic to put that in the wider context. Graham was a vicar in the diocese and works for the diocese now, and he and Jan have asked to lead our Growing Leaders course, which for 10 years Juliet and I led. Uh, but as things have got busier and busier, we haven't managed to make the time to do that. But it needs to happen to grow leaders, and they'll be looking to do that into the autumn. Uh, it's already been mentioned, and John mentioned it in his uh, epistle to the church in Leamington, about the unity. The unity in the church and on the staff team is as good as I've ever known it uh, here. Uh, both the wider staff team and the sort of senior staff team. I meet with John and Jan and with Adam and Ruth. And as you know, Ruth will be ordained as curate and stay with us from the summer. And there is a wonderful unity there. And I'm very confident in this team as I step away for three months of sabbatical that they will lead the ministry well. But do pray for them, particularly for Adam as he steps up in responsibility. It'll be a great growth period. I'm sure they're delighted that I'm moving out of the way and they can find, I'm looking around for where Adam's got to. He's, look, oh, he's, he's on the sofa at the back taking it easy. That's fine. <laughs> You take it as easy for the next couple of days, Adam, and then there'll be enough to keep you out of trouble. Um, one of my favorite psalms is Psalm 133, where it says, where brothers and sisters dwell in unity, there the Lord commands the blessing. And it's been one of the prayers for many years here that we are united in our faith in Jesus and that the Lord blesses us in order to be a blessing wider to the town and the area and much further afield. Uh, Sometimes I wonder what would happen if God really breathed his spirit on us and we started growing rapidly, a bit like the fishermen hauling in the nets that they think, how on earth are we going to cope with all this? We need to go deeper in our discipleship so that we're ready for whatever. The oh, well done. 
Right, so big box of chocolates. Who's got the who's got the chocolates? Oh, there they are. There we are. I'm completely thrown by that. There we are. There we are. Well done. So the bingo, the chocolates have gone. A round of applause. To the... Where was I? I was talking about the unity on the staff team and that I'm delighted about that as I head off on sabbatical. Just a few words about uh, what Juliet and I are going to do. Lots of people say, so what's the plan for the next three months? Uh, the emphasis is very much on Sabbath. Uh, I particularly am quite tired. There's a long-term weariness that can come uh, in being a vicar because it's a life more than a job. And since the last sabbatical several years ago, we've redeveloped this building, we've multiplied the services, the church has grown, there's been a lot of change. Uh, we've had three of our five children married. There's just been a lot going on and it's a chance to breathe uh, and draw breath and focus on Sabbath. Uh, the previous bishop of the diocese, when I had a sabbatical 14 years ago, said to me uh, his advice. He said, metaphorically, Jonathan, sit under your fig tree. There's a picture of, in the Bible of uh, peace and contentment, an Israelite sort of sitting under their fig tree in the shade. Uh, he said, sit there, listen for the Lord, and when he speaks, get up and do what he says. And that's really our intention, to take time to uh, deepen our relationship with each other and with the Lord, to walk, to read. Uh, at the centrepiece of the next three months, it's our 30th wedding anniversary, so we're going away for a proper holiday together. We're looking forward on Sundays to go and visit the churches where our children are, which we can't normally do on a Sunday, both of which are doing really interesting things. There's three in one church next to, and Thomas is a curate over in London. Uh, and looking to learn from those in other churches about missional discipleship. Uh, there's a real parallel in the growth of the church with the growth of our family that it's absolutely not needed for me to run around trying to do as much as in years gone by. Uh, just like when you have little children, you need to do a lot for them. When the children get older, that's not so needed. And as parallel with our family, our marrieds don't need us in the same way as they did when they were younger. Uh, and the church doesn't need me to run around frantically active uh, so much, but there is a need for oversight and for looking at the wider picture and for vision and teaching and greater discipleship. So Julius and I are trying to lay everything down over this week and let go of the church and ask the Lord to refresh us and then show us what he wants us to see so that when we come back, we're ready to lead the church uh, for the next stage. Uh, and in many ways, I, my prayer is that I come back like a new vicar to St. Paul's, although with the advantage of knowing you all already. Uh, but with a fresh start, of, it feels like a new era in the life of our church uh, with good team uh, and looking for what the Lord is going to lead us to, particularly in the terms of sharing our faith wider. What will that look like for our small groups? There's various ideas about partnering with some other parishes, particularly in a city parish in Coventry and some rural parishes. How might we be able to partner with them and both bless them and learn from them? And there are two particular things about Jesus from the Gospels that are imposing themselves on me as I start sabbatical. One is that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. He knows how we should rest. He'll be the Lord of the Sabbath for you. And in our busy world, we need Sabbath more than ever before. Uh, too many of my days off have not been proper Sabbaths, but just days off from the church of doing everything else. 
and I'm really wanting to learn what Sabbath looks like and to be able to lead the church in that uh, when I get back. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is also the Lord of the harvest and the harvest fields are white for harvest. And I'm praying that he will show me what he wants me to see about how we can engage with his harvest more and more. And that this is true for all of you individually. The Lord will take you to rest and deepening relationship with him and show you where he wants you to serve him uh, in the world of work, at home, in our community, in our town, and in every other way. Uh, I noticed from the minutes that I finished last year with two particular Bible verses, and I want to finish with the same two this year. Uh, one is Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, where Paul prays, Now to him, to God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, or we can even think of asking, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God is able to do far more than we can even think of asking. So my prayer is that God would expand our vision, our eyes, to what he can do and give us faith to trust him. Uh, and the second verse is a chapter later, Ephesians 4, 15 and 16, where Paul says, great to have you teenagers here tonight. Very good. Very good. No one would be embarrassed by why that Coke can was opened. And we were, uh, Ephesians 4, 15 and 16, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. He's the head of the body. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And if you remember John's letter to uh, the church in Leamington, so much appreciation for what we are doing, but a challenge to everybody to play their part, not just to leave it to others, uh, each of us. Uh, some of you are doing more than God is calling you to do. And do pray about what you should let go of so you can really concentrate on what God is calling you to do. Sometimes the Lord needs to prune us in order that we can be more fruitful. Others of you are not yet doing what God is calling you to do. So pray through uh, what it is. Each, each of us has a part to play uh, within this. And we'll pray for the PCC and the staff and for me as I go on sabbatical at the end. But I'd just like to pause now and pray that, and ask you just to pray for your own role in the church. Thank God for what you're doing. If you're not sure what you should be doing, just ask him to guide you and show you. In the quietness, you might like to say that, Lord, if you will show me what to do, I will get involved. Or if you're over busy, Lord, show me what to stop. But let's just take a minute. And in the stillness, Heavenly Father, we pray that by your spirit, you would speak to each of us about our involvement here in the church and indeed in the wider community. Let's just be still. How we thank you, Lord, for every person in our church who serves and gives and prays in any way. And we long that each of us would do those things you're calling us to do and find great joy in serving you and growing in our faith that way. Bless those, we pray, who are carrying more than they should and show them what to let, lay down. 
bless those who have not yet discovered the right thing, just as Bav had to go at different things till she found the area of prayer ministry. Give grace to people to try different areas. And we pray that right across the church, we would find there are enough uh, volunteers to serve in every way that your church can grow healthier. And we pray these things together in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been extraordinarily patient. We've just got a couple of things to do about the PCC. Would you like to stand up and turn around and have a stretch? And we'll start again in one minute. Just a quick stretch. And have a sit down again. We've got, we're, we're really on the home stretch, folks. You've been very patient. And there's lots more cheese and wine in a bit. Um, before we come to the elections to the PCC, uh, there is a motion we're bringing to you from the PCC about the size of the PCC. So let me just explain this. Adam's done a slide or a few slides for us. Currently, the PCC has a potential of 29 people at it, which we think is too many. Um, four clergy, two of them are me and Adam. Uh, Graham Pringle, although he doesn't have a lot of time to be able to give to us, he has a full-time job in the diocese, is licensed to us, and so he's on PCC. And when Ruth is ordained, uh, Adam has drawn there a, a picture of Ruth as the fourth one. She will join the, the four clergy. <laughs> I think... Uh, great. Graham, Graham and I, Adam, are very grateful you've drawn us very thin, so that's very, that's very good there. Um, we have two church wardens, so for the next year, Carolyn and Roger. Uh, we elect six deanery synod reps. Now, every Church of England church has two deanery synod reps, but the bigger the church is, the more reps they have. Uh, we don't normally take all our six places, but potentially they're all there. Uh, we have 15 PCC reps elected at the annual meeting to serve three years. Uh, it's not five a year, some years it's four, some years it's seven, some years it's... We make the number up to 15 each year, and they serve three years. And then Jan Pringle and John McKellar join us as staff in attendance as they're overseeing and need to action a lot of the PCC decisions, and we need information from them. Now, if we had all 29, that would be far too big. We find the PCC works pretty well with around 20 of us around the table. Uh, and we had a debate about this in the autumn. And we are rec the PCC unanimously recommends that we prune the number of PCC reps from 15 to 9. So that would reduce the PCC by 6. So we've got another slide as to what that would look like. There we go. Uh, now, we can't do that straight away. Uh, the way it works is the PCC has to propose to the annual meeting a change like that, and it takes effect in a year's time. So we're still bringing the number up to 15 this year. Uh, but the PCC was absolutely unanimous about this, so we are asking your approval as the annual meeting uh, that the number elected by the PCC, we can't do anything about the other number. Licensed clergy are automatically on the PCC, wardens are on the PCC, and the wider Church of England does the number of deanery synod reps, who we feel we ought to take those places and contribute fully into the wider life of the deanery. Uh, if we adopt that change, that brings the total down from 29 to 23. There's always one or two people on holiday or not well, which means that it's around 20 or so, and that number works really well as the parochial church council. 
So this is a motion proposed by the PCC unanimously. There you go. We're going from 29 to 23, pruning six. It doesn't happen tonight. It will happen this time next year uh, is how that would work. Uh, so if you would be happy with that, please would you indicate by raising your hand in the air. If anybody would be unhappy with that, please indicate. Thank you. So that is carried. So from next year, the number elected by the PCC will be made up to nine each time. Uh, for this year, though, we're continuing to bring the number up to 15. There are four places. We've got 11 still on the PCC. And we have four... Nom Actually, there's five places now because Roger's now become a church warden. But uh, we have four nominations. Andrea Kane, proposed by Andy Lockyer and seconded by Carly Leftley. Terry Salter, proposed by Nathan Haywood and seconded by Steve Crooks. Jenny Davis, that's the, we've got two Jenny Davises. This is the Jenny that's married to Sam Davis, uh, proposed by Helen Ovenden and seconded, uh, or seconded and thirded by Sam Davis and Johnny Morgan, by those of things. Uh, so one of you will have signed the form properly. And Joe Shepherd, proposed by Ed Lowndes and seconded by Chris Barrett. Can you just stand up where you are, you four who are up for election? Andrea is there, Terry is here, Jenny is over there. And Joe is hiding behind the pillar. There we go. Very good. Is it your will that they should be elected onto the PCC? Yeah. Can we give them a round of applause? Thank you. We have three by-election vacancies on the Deanery Synod. We have three members on the Deanery Synod. Uh, this is a fixed term to next year. And we haven't had any nominations to take those up. That's fine, because we're still represented on the Deanery Synod. And next year, when we have a smaller number of PCC representatives, we'll be really keen to fill all six. But for this year, that's fine, and it stops the PCC being too big. So here endeth the elections. And the last thing we're going to do is to pray together and to worship together. Uh, so I'd like to pray for the PCC. Then I'd like to invite Roger and Carolyn as our church wardens to pray for me, and particularly the senior staff team who will be carrying the weight in my absence and then we're going to finish in song together. So would the PCC stand? If you're a church warden, if you're elected on the Deanery Synod or the PCC, please would you stand and perhaps you just look around and focus on someone who's near you and pray blessing on them. These are our representatives to make decisions over the coming year. Heavenly Father, we thank you for every one of these men and women. We thank you for calling them to serve you in this way. And we pray that you would bless each of them individually and corporately as a PCC, as they work with me, the vicar, uh, in sharing the responsibility for the whole mission of the church in this parish. Give, we pray, to the new PCC great wisdom. Give us grace to listen to each other where we disagree at a level of ideas. Give us a deep unity uh, between us as people. We pray that it would be a joy as well as a duty to serve you in this way. And we pray your blessing on the whole PCC in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give them all a big round of applause? And finally, can I invite Jan and John and Adam and Ruth to join me here and Carolyn and Roger? 
So uh, Adam introduced the youth and children's team and students, and John uh, appreciated our office and housekeeping team. I'd just particularly like to appreciate these four, uh, who meet with me as my senior team. Uh, we have a really remarkable unity. Uh, sorry. <laughs> we may need to pray and work on that a bit more. But, uh, so we're delighted that Ruth, when she's ordained in June the 30th, uh, assuming that the report from college is appropriate, <laughs> that, 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 was a, that is able to stay on with us. Uh, Jan and John have, have worked brilliantly together as John's got to know us and become the operations director. And I'm really thrilled with this team uh, and with the wider staff team and with the unity of the whole church. But I wonder if one of you would pray for the senior team and then if the other would pray for me on sabbatical. We're going to pray for Juliet as well on this one. What I would like to do, so I'm just taking it over. You take now, over. Okay? You take over. <laughs> I would like to pray for the senior. Well, between us, pray for the senior leadership team. Let the rest of you sit down, and then have you and Juliet up together, when we can also thank you for your con contribution too. Lord, thank you very much for the leadership team of St. Paul's. We pray for them all in their unity, and we thank you that uh, through all the trials and tribulations of leading a church uh, of this size, that they've all come together and really driving it forward. So we bless them, and we pray that you continue to fill their hearts with uh, your Holy Spirit, and pray for uh, the team to come together as Jonathan goes off on a job, I mean, a sabbatical. And we pray this in your holy name. Amen. Sorry. Couldn't, could, sorry about that. And before I pray for, for both of you, I would like to say, I'm sure on behalf of everybody, thank you, Jonathan, for your leadership, for all you do in leading us as a church, and Juliet, for your immense support for Jonathan and for all the things you do in the background within the church too. Um, you don't often get thanked, but thank you. And it's meant from the heart. Yeah, I was, that, that is because you appreciate them, not because they're going off on sabbatical, isn't it? Let's, let's pray. Uh, I'll come around. Father, thank you for giving us, Jonathan and Juliet, as leaders of St. Paul's. We pray for them as they go away on sabbatical. It's a shared time. It's a time to get to know you more. It's a time to get to know each other more. It's a time to be refreshed and come back with a renewed um, commission from you. So we pray for them, Father, for th that this sabbatical will be not just what they want it, but more. That verse about being you doing exceedingly above what we can ask or think of. Pray, Father, that this time of sabbatical would for them be much more than they can ask or think of. We pray, Father, for your rich blessing on them. 
and then as they come back and uh, through the next year until the time of the next APCM, would you guide them as they guide us that they may be your channels and may, may be used for your glory. Amen. Thank you very much. I just said to Juliet, we should go away more often. That's really nice. Um, if the band would come back ready to lead us in a last song and then Ruth will close in prayer. As we've prayed for the PCC, uh, ready thanked Martin who's stepping down as warden, also stepping off the PCC, uh, Tony O'Brien and Judith Linnell. Uh, thank you for your service. Can we show appreciation to them as well? Uh, My apologies to anyone who I haven't thanked. I'll be at the door and I can say thank you to you personally on the way out. Uh, but let's stand. We're going to finish in song. The Lord is leading us all on. None of us know exactly where that will be, uh, but it will be good and he will be there. So we're going to finish with the song Oceans, about lifting our eyes to the Lord above whatever is going on, the waves and the difficulties, and pray that he will lead us and give us grace to keep looking to him. And then Ruth will close in prayer at the end. Oh, 